Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Matthew's at the back of the Bible, first book of the New Testament. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. Uh, let me read it for us. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is the Word of God. Amen. Right, we're in the second of a three-week series called um, oh, Fan the Flame. And I asked the question last week, you know, how was your passion and love for Jesus through 2021? How was your love and passion for Jesus through last year? And, you know, as I spoke to people as we hit the end of last year, uh, the general consensus was that people kind of struggled through 2021, right? Our love and our passion for Jesus, you know, maybe took some steps back. And so as we start this year, we're looking at these three essential elements uh, that we need to have in our lives to make sure the fire, uh, our, our passion for Jesus uh, might be stirred up. Right, when you think about fire, I said, there are three essential components that make up the ideal environment for fire to exist. And those three things are, if you remember, it's uh, wood, it's air, and it's covering. Right, you need wood, which is the fuel, you need air, the oxygen, to be able to feed the fire, and you need some sort of protection from the elements, and then you have the right environment for a spark to land and for fire to begin or fire to keep growing as long as you have these three things. And if you don't have any one of these three things, right, the fire will go out. And so last week I said, this is the same in the Christian life. There are at least three essential elements that we need to have in order to you know, create the right environment for our hearts to be on fire for Jesus. And they're aligned to those three things, right? The word is the wood, right? It's the fuel for our hearts to burn for Jesus, right? Prayer is the air, and I'm talking about that today, and community is the covering. A community is that which kind of gathers around us, and I'll talk about that next week. Right, but last week, I talked about the Word, and I just want you to imagine, if I put fire to the Bible, it would come alight, right? I'm not saying we should, but it would burn, and I want you to imagine every time you read the Word, it's like you're, you're taking the Bible and you're consuming it. And you're storing up for yourself kindling, right, fuel in your heart right, to be set ablaze for Jesus. Now, just because you read the Word doesn't automatically mean you'll be passionate for, for Jesus. Some people are very educated in the Bible, but are very dry. But at the same time, right, this is the fuel. And if the Spirit comes, and if we're in the right posture, our hearts will burn for Jesus right, as long as we have the Word. And so today... I want to talk about, right, the air, right, which is prayer. Right, we're talking about prayer. 
which is there. Now, right up until yesterday, I was going to start off by talking about Bear Grylls. Does everyone know Bear Grylls? He's the guy that goes out in the wilderness with nothing, and he eats grubs and weird stuff, and he survives. Right? But then um, yesterday, someone sent me this clip uh, for my amusement, but it's the perfect analogy, and so I'm going to believe God sent me this. And so we're just going to enjoy this clip. It's a very short clip, and then we'll continue. All right. I don't know if you know who that is. That's Daniel. Um, he's away. He's getting a much-needed break uh, right now. Um, but you might be asking, you know, what is Daniel doing here? Uh, it looks a bit weird. But you see, Daniel understands fire. If you've ever watched Bear Grylls, he gets dropped off into the middle of nowhere with nothing. And oftentimes he makes fire. But when he makes fire, he, he grabs some, like, wood chips or kindling. And he starts, you know, using his flint or rubbing two sticks together. And the moment a little spark shows up, a little ember comes out, he grabs the, the wood and he starts exhaling into the wood, right? If you've ever seen him, he goes, <laughs> sorry for everyone online, right? He, he starts breathing really like quickly into what seems like nothing. And before you know it, it comes a light, right? And what Daniel Grills is, is doing here. Right, with that great posture and the pizza box is the same thing. Right? He's trying to feed air into the fire because that's what brings it alive. Right? Prayer is the air. If the word is the wood, it's like the fuel that makes our hearts burn for Jesus. Prayer is like you exhaling into the fire to bring it alive. Right? There's something about prayer that really kind of moves us. Right, that touches us right deep in our souls. Can you imagine Bear Grylls grabbing the piece of wood and exhaling into it? When you pray, because when we pray, we're speaking, we're exhaling. I want you to imagine that you are breathing air into the fire of your heart for Jesus. You see, the word tends to engage our heads. Right, because we're reading, we're learning, we're understanding. Right? It doesn't stay there, but often it's our head. But prayer tends to engage our hearts. It's that place and time where we are most honest, raw, where we come before God with our burdens, our anxieties, our joys, our sins, and we lay it down before him. There is this thing about prayer that reinvigorates the fire of our hearts. And so prayer is that second essential thing we need. Now, if prayer is so essential... Why don't we pray enough? Right? Why don't we kind of fill our days with prayer? Like if you look back at 2021, I don't know about you, but you know, I think maybe some of us, a lot of us may not have prayed that much. And why is it the case? And the common answer to that is always, I just don't have time. I'm just too busy to pray. But let's look, let's look at someone who is arguably way more busier than any of us ever was. Uh, let's look at Jesus. Jesus sorry, was probably the busiest person to have ever lived. Right? If you look at Mark chapter 3, it says, uh, Jesus went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. Uh, Jesus, have you ever been so busy like, where you're like, oh, I don't have time, I'm going to skip a meal? Like you've got an assignment due tomorrow and you're like, oh, I don't have time to eat, I've got to just quickly get this done. Have you ever been there? No, okay, <laughs> I've been there. Right. You know you're busy when you don't have time to eat. Right? Jesus was like that in Mark 3. But not just Mark 3, if you look at Mark 6, 
We see it again. Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place, right? He's talking to his disciples. Let's go somewhere where no one is and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat, right? He's still like that by chapter six. And they went away in, a, in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Right? They just wanna take a break. They just wanna get away from the crowds. Verse 33, now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. This is how busy Jesus is. He's like, like let's run away and let's catch a boat over there. This is the quickest way to get there, right? That's why they're catching a boat. But people figure it out and they run around and they get there before they land on shore. And this crowd here in Matthew chapter 6, or Mark chapter 6, is not a crowd of like dozens. It's not a crowd of hundreds. This is a crowd of 5,000 that Jesus will end up feeding miraculously. 5,000 men, so including the women and the children, you're looking at about what? Seven, eight, nine, 10,000 or more people are running to find Jesus. Jesus was busy, constantly hounded, chased. People wanted to see him, meet him, listen to him, speak to him, touch him, get something from him. In this case, it's 5,000, but throughout the life of Jesus, he's very busy. Right? Let's look at Luke chapter 5. Right? I love this verse. It says, but now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and a great crowd gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. By Luke chapter 5, Jesus is saying he's getting even more busier. And you can understand that. Maybe in your life, the older you get, I feel like, the busier I'm getting. Primary school was so easy. And when I get to high school, I'm like, man, primary school was so easy. I get to university, I'm like, man, high school was so easy. I had so much free time to play. You get to university, man, you know, high school, you know, you, then you start working. Single life was easy. You get married, right? you have children. You're always looking back, feeling like I'm getting even more busier. Right? Jesus understands that. And that's where we're at. I'm so busy in 2021, 2022, I just don't have time to pray. But then look at this, verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. See, that, it's like a contradiction. Verse 15, Jesus is getting busier and busier. Verse 16, but he would pray. You see, for us, we get busier and busier, so we pray less and less. But it seems like as Jesus gets busier, he fights even more to make sure prayer has a place in his life. Prayer was a priority for Jesus. You see it all throughout his life. Jesus prayed through nearly all the major moments of his life. Let me just quickly go through a bunch of them. In Matthew 4, Jesus prayed for 40 days and 40 nights fasting before he was tempted by the devil. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus prays before he chooses his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is praying when he is transfigured, right? When he starts glowing and Moses and Elijah come from the dead and then God appears in a cloud of glory. All that happens as Jesus was praying. John chapter 11, before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he prays. John chapter 17, right, before Jesus is taken away, he prays for his disciples. And then in Matthew 26, in the garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he's gonna be betrayed and crucified, Jesus prays. He prays three rounds of prayer in the garden. And the last thing he does, before he dies, in Luke chapter 23, 
is he praised. That's the last thing he does. It says, Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. It's like his last breath before he dies is a prayer. Prayer was a priority. Not just the major moments of Jesus' life, like I just showed, but it seemed like even the mundane moments of his life. His life is peppered with prayer. Jesus would pray in the morning, Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. He prays in the evening, Matthew 14. When evening came, he was there alone up on the mountain. He prayed at night. All night he continued in prayer to God. And even now, Romans chapter 8, Jesus is praying, is interceding for his people. You see, on one hand, Jesus was very busy, but on the other hand, he prayed. And the busier he got, he still continued to pray. You see, prayer was a priority for Jesus. I want to say two things to us. Busy isn't the reason we don't pray. I'm too busy to pray, we say. But the truth is, that's not really the problem. I'm sure your phone has this, um, I think since a year or two ago, uh, iPhones have this thing called screen time. Right? It tells you how much time you're spending on certain apps. I'm sure Android phones have something similar, uh, just not as good. Um, I'm just joking. Um, but you check that, and you'll be surprised how much time you actually have. Right? I checked that, like, uh, I think a month ago, and I was like, that's wrong. Right? I don't spend that much time on, on YouTube. Right? I don't spend that much time on whatever it is, Netflix, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the cool kids are doing. But right? go check it. You may be surprised how much time you have, even though you're busy. Now, I'm not saying these things are bad. We need rest. We need to wind down. But I think what it shows us is that busy is not the reason we don't pray. It's not because we don't have time. It's because it's not priority, and I'd rather do this rather than pray. It's because I don't enjoy prayer. It's because it's not restful for me to pray. It's because I don't believe it does anything. But those are the real reasons we don't pray. It's not because we're busy. If, we're, if something matters to us, we will always find time to do it, won't we? Right? Busy isn't the reason we don't pray. And so figure out what it is. Because then, if you're honest with yourself, you might be able to you know, um, grow um, or challenge those reasons why you don't pray. But not only is busy not the reason we don't pray, busy is actually the reason we must pray. You see, it's not pray even when you're busy. It's pray especially when you're busy. And that's what it feels like when we look at the life of Jesus. As he is busy, he just fights to keep praying. You see, we think being busy is an excuse not to pray when the reality is all those things that make us feel busy, those very things are the things we need to be praying about. When we were younger, we had a lot of time, but we had a few things to pray about. And as we get older, we have less time, but we have more things we should be praying about. 
Because as we get older, we have more responsibilities. We have bigger decisions to make. There are greater consequences. We have more to lose. It's not just me having fun, but it's work. It's career. It's relationships. It's my marriage. It's raising children. It's about paying rent or mortgage. It's all these things that are now piled onto our plate that make us busy. But at the same time, these are things we need to be praying about. Praying about my relationships, my work, my marriage, how I raise my kids, etc. We have less time, but we have more things we should be praying about. And so busy isn't the reason we don't pray. It is the reason we must pray. And so if you're busy, you're stressed, got a lot of things going on at work, relationships, I don't know what it is, those things are things you should be praying about. Those things you must take to God. Again, Luke 5, Jesus getting busier and yet fighting harder to pray. Martin Luther, um, great theologian, a long time ago once said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Right, I have so much to do today. I'm going to spend the first, I have to spend the first three hours in prayer. Right, that's, a, that's a paradox. But that's where we live. Are you feeling busy? That means you have a lot to pray about. Now I'm not saying you have to pray three hours. And just start small. Right, we're going to get to the application right at the end. But if you're feeling busy, you need to be praying. If you're feeling stressed, you need to be praying. Prayer wasn't just a priority for Jesus. As followers of Jesus, who are imitating our Lord, prayer is meant to be priority for us. Right in the passage that I just read in Matthew 6, Jesus repeats this phrase three times. In verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, and the phrase is, when you pray. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. It's not if you pray, but when you pray. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. For the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, prayer is that thing that must exist in our lives. When you pray, morning, evening, night, the assumption is that we will pray. The Apostle Paul says similarly in his letters, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray without ceasing. Philippians chapter 4, right, that, you know, we've been reading maybe, right, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, right, let your requests be made known to God, right, pray. We need to pray. D.A. Carson, do I have the quote here? Yeah. He says this, there's another theologian who's alive, right, right now. He says, we do not pray. Because we do not plan to pray. We do not drift into spiritual life. We do not drift into disciplined prayer. We will not grow in prayer unless we plan to pray. That means we must self-consciously set aside time to do nothing but pray. What we actually do reflects our highest priorities. That means we can proclaim our commitment to prayer until the cows come home. But unless we actually pray, our actions disown our words. And so is prayer a priority to you? The Christian says, yes, of course. Prayer matters. Yeah, it's one of those things we do. But do you show it in your life? Is it actually priority? Right? If it isn't, 
We need to be very disciplined about it. We need to plan. It's not going to happen. You don't just, you know, or, or accidentally end up praying. You need to fight for it. Right? That's what he's saying. Let's fight to make prayer priority. Right? That's what Jesus did. He woke up early before everyone was awake to pray. He'd stay up late at night while everyone's sleeping. He'd pray overnight. Right? What will you do to make prayer a part of your life? The priority of prayer. That's number one. Number two, let's talk a little bit about what prayer is. And this is my second and last point. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, the passage I read, we're going to sit here for the rest of the sermon. You know, Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray. This is like the preface to the Lord's Prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer comes straight after this. And here in verse 5 to 8, Jesus tells us two things that you need to remember when you pray. Right, these are kind of two mistakes that we make sometimes. And if we make these mistakes, not only is it wrong, it's the wrong way to pray, but it will hurt our passion for God. But if we get this right, it will help us fan the flame of our hearts. And so number one, what we need to remember is that we don't pray to people. Right, we don't pray to people. Right, it seems a bit obvious. In verse five, this is what Jesus says. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Right, what do they do? They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Back at the time of Jesus, if you were a Jew, there were certain times of the day when you were expected to pray. And the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about would just happen to be in a public place at those times. It's like, oh, I got to pray. Oh, I just happened to be in the synagogue or in the street corner. And so they would pray, but as they prayed, they'd pray, they'd pray loud, they pray long, these kind of eloquent prayers right, that would make people say, whoa, look at that person. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Now, praying in public isn't bad. Right? Jesus prays in public. But what the problem is, is if you go back to verse 2, Jesus talks about the hypocrites. He says, they do these things that they may be praised by others. That's why they're standing there praying. They're praying so that people would hear and adore them. You see, they're praying to people, not to God. And that's hypocrisy for two reasons. Because one, it looks like they're praying, right? Yes, God. You are, I don't know, you're amazing, God, right? whatever it is. It looks like they're praying, but they're not even praying. You see, prayer in its most basic form is you speaking to God. And that's what prayer is, me speaking to God. But they've taken the God part out of it, and they're speaking to people. At that point, it's not even prayer. It's a performance. So it looks like they're praying. But they're not. They're more conscious about the crowd than God, and they're more, they're more busy pleasing the crowd than they are busy pleasing God. But not only is it not prayer, they look holy, but they're not. Right? It looks like they're praying, but they're not, but they also look holy, but they're not. Right? So they're praying, and people are like, whoa, did you hear that prayer? It was so good. He had some cool phrases in there. Right? So eloquent, well thought out. That person must be holy. That person must love God. That person is so wise. But none of those things are true. 
If that person isn't loving God, they're loving themselves, they're not being holy, they're sinning, they're not being wise, they're being kind of silly because they're not even praying properly. You know, the truth is, I don't know about you, if I'm honest, sometimes I'm more conscious about the people around me when I pray than I am conscious about God. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You know, one of the hardest things to do when we pray to God is to pray to God. Because oftentimes we are concerned about the people around us. You're sitting in a small group and someone says, hey, Paul, can you pray for the meal? Or can you pray for our Bible study as we open up? Or let's go around in a circle and let's pray. I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if you ever felt this way. Your, your mind just instinctively, instinctively doesn't go to God. It goes to the people around you. And you're thinking, what do I say? Right? Is what I'm going to say going to be good? Or will, will they like it? Is this wrong, what I'm going to pray? Maybe I'm going to say something wrong and they're going to judge me. Like we're thinking about the people around us rather than thinking about God. And if we're like that, it matters. Because prayer will become a burden, a stress, something I don't want to do right? because I'm worried about the people and what they're going to say. And most importantly, it will not flame, it will not um, fan the flame of your heart for God. Because at this point, God's not even in the picture. And it's just people. Prayer will not make you closer to God if that's what prayer is to you. You know, Jesus' solution to this is simple. In verse 6, he says, When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. If you're struggling with this, right, every time someone says, Can you pray? And you're like, Oh, and you're worried about people, this is what you do. Go to your room and pray. And this helps us for two reasons. Number one, it gets rid of the temptation. Right? There's no one to impress here. It's only God, and so you can focus on Him. But the second reason why it helps us, for lack of a better word, it's good practice. The best way to be comfortable about praying in public is to first get comfortable praying in private. To be comfortable between you and God in that place where no one is there to pray. To pray about life, about sin, about your church, about your growth group members, pray about your food, to get comfortable there in private. And if you get comfortable in private, and then you're in growth groups, and someone says, can you pray for the meal? You're a little, like, ooh. you may be a little, like, jolted, but you'll be able to say, you know what? I've done this a hundred times. I've done this before. Same thing, different place. And you won't be so afraid. And you won't be so concerned about the people around you because you've kind of practiced focusing on God and you know how to pray. And when I was a new Christian, I struggled with just being so self-conscious when I prayed and when I sang. And really the antidote was this. I just tried to pray. And the more I prayed and focused on God in private, the more comfortable it became in public. And so if you're afraid to pray in public... This is what you do. Right, the first thing, we don't pray to people. Right, we pray to God. The second thing we need to remember is that we don't pray to people, but we do pray to a person. And what do I mean by that? Verse 7, Jesus says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
These are kind of non-Jew people, like pagans. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, what Jesus is talking about here was the kind of prayer that, you know, the non-Jewish people, the people who believed in other gods would pray. And their prayers were often a mixture of some of these. Constant repetition of these kind of words that they just keep saying over and over again. Maybe the name of their God, they keep repeating it over and over again. Mindless chanting, just going through a routine where they're saying these things in order, right, without really thinking about what they're saying. Sometimes they'd be babbling or ranting. It, it wouldn't make sense, but they just keep droning on in this kind of, um, really this um, babbling, um, thinking that their God would like that. And at the heart of why they did this was who their God was. It's because their image of who their God was, was that he was either distant or busy or, you know, he, he was unwilling to answer their prayers. And so for those reasons, they would just have to keep repeating the same thing. Or they'd be chanting or trying to say the magic formula. Because their God like, wouldn't hear them the first 99 times. Maybe by the hundredth time they might hear. Or maybe it felt like they had to force their God to answer their prayer. And so they just keep asking the same thing over and over again. Right? It's this idea of their God being difficult to reach, too busy to listen, or unwilling to answer their prayers. Now, the image I get is like a person coming to a vending machine, thinking that if I press the right buttons and pull the right levers, maybe a blessing would pop out the other side. And just trying, it didn't work, try again. Right? Just this, this kind of mindless action, like what's before you is a machine. But Jesus says, in contrast to that kind of God and that kind of prayer, he says, verse 8, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. There's just two things I want to point out here. He says, you're coming to your father. You're not going to a vending machine. You're going to your father. You know, when Jesus came along, he called God his father. And that was a big deal. Who does he think he is to call God his father? And who does he think he is to call himself God's son? Right? That was a big deal and people hated it. And yet, kind of more staggering than that is that Jesus invites you and I to call God our father. And that we can say we are sons and daughters of God. Right? When Jesus tells us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, it begins, our father. That's a big deal because what he's saying is that God isn't some distant being. He's not far away where we're trying to force him to answer our prayers. He's not, he's not absent from us. He is a father. We have a relationship with this God. Not a, dit, 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 not a vending machine like the pagans believed. Right, can you imagine Reuben coming to me and being like, Please, thank you, I love you. Please, thank you, I love you. Can I have that Pokemon toy? Please, thank you, I love you. Can I have that Pokemon toy? And he just keeps repeating that thing. And we're like, well, what are you doing? You're like, I, I, you like these words, right? Please, thank you, I love you. Can I get the, can, can I get the Pokemon toy? Right? I, I'd be hurt. Right? Because I'm not a machine, and this here is a relationship. Right? Our God is a, our Father. And what we have is a relationship. 
And we're not coming to him to say the right things in order to kind of have a, a phrase that we repeat you know, the right way, in the right order. What we have is a relationship with our father. And the second thing Jesus says is that this father, he knows. He knows what you need before you ask him. You know, the pagan gods were either too busy, too absent, too angry, too distant to hear the prayer the first 99 times they prayed. Maybe by the 100th time they might pay attention. But Jesus says, our father knows already even before the first word is spoken. Even before the first time you tell him, he knows, let alone the hundredth time. See, this is the kind of father that we have, a father that deeply cares and is concerned about you. Not distant, not absent. You don't have to force his attention towards you. He already knows. The Bible says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. Right, you know, I think it was a few weeks ago. I was looking in the mirror and I was looking at my hair and I was like, shocked by how many white hairs I have. I'm like, where did these come from? You know, God wasn't shocked. He already knows. He's like, yeah, Paul. It's like 50, 56. And by the end of next week, it's 75, right? It's just increasing. God knows that intricate detail, kind of, kind of a useless detail in my life. And he knows that about your life. That is kind of the, that is the kind of a father that we have and the kind of relationship that we have. It is to this living God who knows us more than we know ourselves that we come to when we pray. You know, if we think that prayer is like pressing the right buttons and pulling the lever, that I've got to say the right thing in the right, right order, if I'm just coming to a machine to get a blessing, then you will not fan the flame of your heart. Your passion for God will not grow. But if you understand the one that you're coming to is the one who loves you and cares for you and knows you deeply and wants to spend time with you, you understand that it's a relationship, then your heart for him will grow. Then your love for him will increase as you spend time with him. We don't pray to people That will not fan the flame of our hearts. We don't pray to a vending machine. That will not fan the flame of our hearts. We pray to a father who knows us. You know, I find it interesting that we're meant to pray to a God who already knows what we need. we, We tell him what we want, even though he already knows what we need. Isn't that kind of weird? Kind of like, why would I bother telling him? He already knows you know, when Ruben goes to daycare, we've got this app now called um, Story Park. And the teachers there, they send us photos of what the kids have been doing. And they write up a blurb. So even before I go to pick him up, I know what he did. Like, I know what he ate sometimes. And I can see him in photos. I know who he played with. But when I pick him up, I always ask him, what did you do today? Who did you play with? What did you eat? Did you have fun? But I ask him these questions. Most of the answers I already know. But why do I ask him anyway? It's because it's not about just getting the answer. It's about that relationship. The conversations that we have. When we come to God, it's not just about using him to get to some end, like a blessing or a solution. 
The big part of why we pray to a God who already knows is because we want to spend time with Him and speak to Him. It's that relationship that we want to build. God's not the means to an end. He's not the means to a blessing or a solution. God, I just need to get through you, pull the right levers so you might give me something. God is the means. Oh, sorry, he's the end, sorry. He is the end. He is the reward itself. Just spending time with him is what we do. It's why we pray. That is the purpose, so that we might speak to our God. And so prayer is a priority. Right? Busy is not why we don't pray. Busy is why we should pray. And prayer is us not speaking to people and not coming to a distant vending machine. God is coming to a God who is our Father, who loves us, so that we might build that relationship with Him. And if we understand these two things and we pray properly, it will help bring air into the fire of our hearts, to bring it alive, right? Because we're spending time with a God that we love. Now, last week, I challenged us to read Philippians 10 minutes every day through January. Did we try it? Okay. Okay. I'm just assuming there's dozens of people on the live stream nodding because there weren't that many (laughs) nodding here. It's okay. One of the reasons why we made it time-based, I explained last week, is if you miss out on a few days, you just pick up where you left from, right? So this is what we're trying, 10 minutes every day through January. Now, I just want to add something onto you. If you've been reading and you've read through, you've probably read through Philippians at least once, and you're reading the same things now, and maybe you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not getting much out of it. What I challenge you, if you're going to keep doing it, is you don't have to keep reading for the whole 10 minutes. Maybe just take a chunk of verses and just sit on it. And as you sit on it, Ask these three questions. Now, these three questions are really helpful every time you come to the Word. The questions are, what, so what, now what? Right? Isn't that cool? What, so what, now what? You go to the Bible, you say, what? What does it say? Right? Get to a place where you can understand. And that might take a few readings of the same verse. What? And then you ask, so what? Right? What's it say, but now what's it mean? What's the point? What's the main idea that I can take away from it? So for example, today we, we saw Jesus was busy, but he prayed. That's the what, right? You read the passage. Jesus was busy, but he prayed. That's the what. So what? So what about it? What can you learn from there? Right? You can learn the things I said. Busy is not a reason not to pray because Jesus was busy and he prayed. So what? It means that um, maybe busy is a reason we do pray, right? They're, they're the things that you need to dig a little deeper to take away. So what, so what, and then now what? Now what changes? What changes in your head, right, in the way that you're thinking about God or the world or yourself? What changes in your heart, your convictions, and what changes in your hands, right? What you do, right? What, so what, now what? Maybe that'll help you. But this week, we're doing prayer. Are you ready? I'm going to challenge you guys. Are you ready for a challenge? Right, this is the thing that we're adding on. We're praying for one minute. We, this kind of church we are, low bar. Right? This is the thing. I, I know some of us, I know some of us, like we fell off the wagon, right, reading the Bible. And so I don't want to overburden you. Just tackle the Bible again. But at the end of it, 
I want you to pray for a minute. Here's the thing. The best way to uh, start a new habit is to stick it onto an old habit. So if you're already in the habit of reading the Bible, we're just going to add on prayer at the end. Now, I'm just trying to trick you, by the way, because you're going to say, a minute? I can do a minute. And then you're going to pray a minute and think, that's not enough. And you're going to end up praying two, three, four, five. You're going to end up praying a lot anyway. I just want to not demotivate you. We're just going to pray for one minute. So this is a challenge this week. Read Philippians 10 minutes every day. What, so what, now what? And then maybe pray for a minute. Now here's a bonus. If you're like, this is too easy for me, this might be an extra challenge for you. You know, I talked about the screen time thing on the phone. I actually checked my phone um, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I was surprised, again, of how much time I spent on things. That, and I was like, that's wrong. Um, and so I deleted uh, YouTube from my phone because I, I found that, you know, five minutes here, 10 minutes here, five minutes that ends up being 15 to 15 minutes, right? Like, it, it's just a time drain. And so I deleted it. And what I realized, even after I deleted it, was how instinctively I'd reach for my phone like, I'm not even thinking. I'd open it up, and I'd look for that app. And I'm like, where, where to go? Oh, that's, that's right. And I realized just how much kind of focus and time was going into that. And so what I've decided is every time I reach for my phone for YouTube, or every time I think, oh, I'd love to watch a clip right now, I'm going to spend that time in prayer. Now, that's, that's, not, that's not dramatic. It's like five minutes here. It's waiting in line over here. But instead of like replacing that time with something else like, I don't know, what else, what else we do, social media, something like that, I want to spend that time in prayer. And I'm putting the kids to sleep. Right? I'm just waiting in the room while Zoe's falling asleep. You know, I'm, I'm going to spend that time in prayer. Right? You can find time if you want. Right? You just need to kind of uh, be purposeful about it. Maybe that's what you want to do as well. doesn't matter. This is what we're trying at least. And if you're doing any of these things, again, talk about it. Tell someone, ask the person next to you, ask your old growth group members, are you doing this? But share what you've been learning, right? challenge each other, remind each other. I want to talk about this next week. We need to be doing this in community. All right, but that's a challenge. Are we up for it? All righty. Uh, let me pray. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Again, as we pray, this moment is not a time for us to think about the people around us. It's not just something we do, like I'm just going to lift up the, these words into the air and maybe they'll go somewhere. Uh, we're not just trying to repeat phrases. We are coming to a real being. That's why I said person. We're coming to our Father, a living God, and He's with us right now. And for some reason, even though he is busy and he has a lot of things on his plate, he cares deeply about you. And every word you pray, he hears. But even more astonishing than that, even before you say them, he knows. And the great, great reward we get, more than anything else we might get from prayer, is that we get to spend time with God so let's come before God wherever we are and let's speak to Him and maybe what you can say if you want to is that you want to make time with Him speaking to Him a priority in your life repent for making busyness an excuse repent for making all these other things 
a greater priority than time with God and be determined this week to meet with Him, to carve out time in your schedule, to replace something with prayer. God, this is what I'm gonna do. I want to be with you. Can we just talk to God wherever we are? Uh, Let's pray.